Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sanctuary of Quest Church. We speak the blessing of God over your life. And we want to take a moment to thank you for joining us tonight. Very important that you hit your share button, that you comment, that you hit those thumbs and hearts. When you do that, you're telling us amen. All right, so be involved tonight. Be engaged and participate in this. Such, this is such an important conversation we're going to have tonight. We need your participation. I want to welcome these guys to the table tonight. Before I introduce them to me to you guys, how about this Sunday, fellas? Oh, it was awesome. It's going to be an awesome Sunday, 9 and 1030 at Quest Church as we have our first service back in this building together, and we want you to join us. It's going to be a powerful time, and it's Pentecost Sunday. All right. Yes, perfect right. timing. The Can't birthday wait. of the church. Perfect, Can't wait. perfect timing. So it's going to be it's going to be an incredible day this Sunday. We want to see you here. So right here is Kerry Austin, incredible guy. We'll talk about all these guys later. Paul Thomas and Tony Mustin. We love you guys and appreciate you being here. Now all of these guys are members of our church here at Quest, and they serve diligently in different capacities here at the church. But I want to say this up front. None of this has been rehearsed. So what you're here tonight is going to be totally spontaneous and of the Spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to stay our course tonight, right, guys? Amen. In Amen. Jesus' Amen. name. So I was, I was thinking today going into this thing that my brother is here and Randy is here and he's been teaching every morning at 9 o'clock on his de devotion on this word paradox. And I told him on the way over here, I said, man, I am in a paradox because... Right now, at this moment, if, if I'm silent, then people are going to say you don't care enough to speak about it. Mm -hmm. If I speak about it, then people are going to say I'm grandstanding and take an, op an opportunity to, to accomplish something. Mm -hmm. I don't know what that would be. Mm -hmm. um, and then the third thing is I have to deal with myself. If I don't do what I feel in my heart that the Lord is telling me to do, then I have to lay in bed tonight and probably not sleep because I was disobedient. Wow. So I chose to do this tonight. Uh, not a hard decision for me, um, but it is a paradox. So I was thinking about, first of all, my history and ministry versus my upbringing, mm -hmm. right? Because I was raised in Baker, Louisiana, which if you know anything about Baker, Louisiana in the 70s, it was not that much of an integrated place, just let me say it like that. Racism was peaking there, especially during that time. When I was saved, I went into ministry, and the first person I worked for was a black guy named Carlton Pearson. And uh, so there, that kind of gives you the dichotomy of my history, uh, the history of my life. It's been very interesting. So I asked myself some hard questions today. Here's what I asked myself. As a white man, Rick Hawkins... Have you or do you ever feel entitled, privileged, or preferred? And here's my answer. Yes. And here's why. Because I've stood in line. I'm going to make this a, this a very simple example. I've stood in line in stores to buy something. And noticed that there would be a black gentleman that had been there way before I got there. And the cashier would be busy doing something and then turn around and not look at him knowing he had been there the whole time and then look at me and ask me, can I help you? Mm -hmm. That's what you call preference. Mm -hmm. 
And I remember that very well at Burlington Coat Factory in San Antonio, Texas. And I was able to say, he's been here much longer than me. Why don't you ask him? That's the time I spoke up. Giovanna and I arrived here in Oklahoma, you know, and we've been doing our thing. We went to a certain restaurant. There was a black gentleman sitting cat a corner from us with his mother. We were eating. The waiter came to take his, to give him his bill, his check, and receive his card. Well, the man pulled out an American Express card. I was kind of paying attention. And when... He took it, he looked at it, and he said, I need to see your license. Mm -hmm. So he took the license, and he, now, that's all cool so far. But when he came back and gave it to them, and the, and the young man was so kind. But when he came back and gave it to them, he turned around and took my bill. Then he took my credit card, and he didn't ask for my ID. Mm -hmm. And I thought to myself, why would you ask him? And I, when he walked off, I told Giovanna, I said, I'm going to have to say something. I'm going to have to say something. And she said, well, you should. And I did it. And I remember driving off thinking, I should have asked that guy, why didn't you take my credit card too? You had, or, or my license too. You asked him for his license to make sure that was his credit card. Mm -hmm. I know what you were doing, but you didn't do that to me. So... We're going to talk about some deep stuff tonight. Okay, guys? All right. Let's start with the situation at hand. George Floyd. Say his name, George Floyd. George, George yeah. Floyd. And that's what everyone's been saying. Say his name, right? Forgery. Writing a bad check. Resisted arrest, reportedly, and murdered. For forgery, for resisting, or even if he resisted arrest, does that mean you have a right to just choke him down until he dies? I don't know what you guys call that. We haven't talked about this. <laughs> but I call that murder. Mm -hmm. In my book, that's murder. Um, here's another question I have. What about the police that was standing around there that didn't do anything? When the bystanders were screaming, check his pulse. Did y'all watch? Did you watch? You guys all watched the video? Mm -hmm. I saw it. Did you see it? Kevin? I didn't see the video. So they're... Telling him, check his pulse. It looks right. like he's dying. And right. sure enough, he died. Tony? Yes, sir. When you watched the video, what did you feel? Well, there was a multitude of emotions running through me as I watched that video. Uh, some which I can verbalize, some which I cannot verbalize because of the man of God that I am. But I have to be authentic in saying that seeing that didn't drum up in me the most righteous feeling because this has not been uh, happenstance or once here and there. This has been lifetimes, plural, mm -hmm. worth of events that has occurred over the course of 400 plus years. Mm -hmm. And so even though we see it all the time, 
we should never get used to seeing it. So every time I see something like that, even though I've saw it, I've seen it several times, it still moves me in a way that we say we live in the country of freedom. Things like that happening should not move me because those things should be happening if we stay true to who we say we are. Mm -hmm. Now, do you think, and this total transparency, guys, do you think it is fair to assume that that was racism that did that, or was that a lack of police training? What is your feeling on it? (laughs) I was just talking to my wife about this before we came up. Um, I was asking her, I wonder what was going on in that man's life as an individual. Mm -hmm. Because we know the root of this is sin. Sin can take on any form. That's right. So my question is, what's what was he dealing with on a personal level that allowed him to exert that type of behavior to another human being? Mm-hmm. Because it's not just, I, I hate this individual. No, there is a root issue. And, and, and I don't believe it's, you know, we, could, we could find it on the surface mm-hmm. and just say, that's just blanket racism. Chief, you saw it. What, what did you feel? And I, I, I'm with you on that. Mm-hmm. I'm not so sure it's safe to say this is blanket racism. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Because we don't know. Exactly. But what we do know, that it was unfair. Right. And it was an act of, it was totally unjust mm-hmm. what happened. Absolutely. Chief? I had to watch it in segments. I couldn't sit there and watch the whole thing. Um, anger. Um, resentment, I was trying to figure out the person that's in charge, the police officer, mm-hmm. he has the authority. Why was he operating with more controlled discipline? Yeah. If you are, the, my thoughts, if you're in position of authority, anybody under your authority you should be the one that's in control. Yeah. But his actions seemed like he was out of control. Yeah. Now, if I tell you he resisted arrest, how far should that police officer go at that point? Well, first of all, at least the little bit I did see, the, the guy was on the ground, and you got three guys there, not just one. Right. And from what I understand, he was handcuffed. Does it take three guys to hold one man down and he's already not breathing? I I think it's crazy. It's ludicrous. I want to go back to what Chief was saying about with authority. Yeah. If this guy, the policeman, was out of control, if there's a problem at the bottom, the root is at the top. Whoever his commanding officer was, I think their heads need to roll. And because there's no accountability and because nothing happens to the guy at the top, they feel free to do these kind of things. Because if the punishment were to fit their crime mm-hmm. and that matriculated around the country, I think we cut out some of this craziness. But maybe I'm a little bit too harsh to so start in the yeah, conversation. I get, but, I get what you're saying. But, but you asked what also, yeah. uh, what was going through my mind. The truth of the matter is, and I want to keep it Christian, but 
the truth of it is you really want to load up the car and say, okay, the next time I get stopped, I'm going to be on the offense. Okay. But, but we know that's not okay, the right that, way. That's where I want to go. Okay. Okay. All right. So great caveat. <laughs> Even though you don't know where we're going. I have no idea where you're going. But. Okay. So watch this. If I get pulled over, I was talking to Dustin, my son, about this today. If I get pulled over, all right, and I look in my rearview mirror and I see a white cop get out of the car, I'm immediately thinking he's going to be pretty stern. That's just, that's a white man now. That's me, right? And if I see a black cop get out of that car, can I tell y'all what I feel? What do you feel? Ease. Mm -hmm. Because I know that that guy, I'm going to be able to talk to him, and that's just me, mm -hmm. because of my history with police. I've been pulled over. I've been pulled over by black cops, and I've been pulled over by, I was pulled over by a white cop one time, put in the back of his car, 110 degrees outside, and sat in the back seat of that car for two hours. Mm. And when I told him that I was a pastor, he got more angry with me. Mm. Long story short, I ended up in the hospital that day. That's a different story for a different time. But I'm just, I'm not trying to stereotype mm -hmm. policemen because mm -hmm. there's, there's good and bad in everything. Every time. Yes. And I think we're all going to agree with that. Mm -hmm. But I'm, I'm going to bring it right home to you guys because I want to know. Mm -hmm. Tony, how do you feel if a cop pulls you over? Is there any trepidation in you? Is there any... Fear? Absolutely. Absolutely, if I'm being. Well, there you go. Siri's going to tell me some stuff about Siri's this. feeling trepidation. Yeah. <laughs> go, go ahead, though. What do you feel? Absolutely, I feel. I, I mean, there's, there's a plethora of emotions that are running through me because of the possibilities that I can experience in that particular moment because of my skin color. And I'm just going to be very transparent. Yeah. If I'm with my wife, that amps up that opportunity in my mind. Because, because his wife is white. She's a white woman. Right. She's a, she's a Caucasian woman. And when they see me, black man, with a Caucasian woman, it depends on their emotional state, whether or not they see that I've taken something from them and they now have to use extreme degrees of hostility, even if it's verbally. They may not have to get physical, but even if it's verbally. So I'm always thinking what's going to happen. Do I'm you wondering. think that way because of your own experience or because of what you've seen? Both. 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 Absolutely. So you've had bad experiences. Absolutely. With yes, sir. Before. Yes, yeah. sir. Chief? My experience, I teach myself and I taught my kids to survive the encounter. Now, I've been in the military for, for 30 years. The first thing that I would do when I'm getting pulled over, I won't show them my driver's license, I'll show them my military ID. Wow. Because you feel like that might give you that some. That would give me a different plan that gives me, they, they'll treat me on a whole different level. Now they still gonna let me know that they're in charge. Right. But it makes them know that, listen, there's somebody that's gonna be um, looking for him. Right. Wow, that's so interesting. So I, I, I've always yeah. done that. I've always, any time that I've, every place that I've ever been stationed at, especially in the South, and that's primarily where I've been stationed at, I do business in my uniform. Yeah. Because I get treated differently. 
Mm. I was just, see, and here's the thing with me. I, it confuses me. But I don't want to come across as ignorant. That means I'm ignoring it. The root of ignorant is to ignore. Right. I'm not ignoring it, but I'm confused about it because I can't bring myself to think like that. Here's where I'm going. And I never will be able to because I'll never be black. Yes, sir. Mm -hmm. And for white people to say you understand, you don't understand. No, no, no. Because you've never been black. Mm -hmm. I guess one of the great concerns I have is that I have grandchildren that are. Mm -hmm. And so I think like that. I think, man, how are they going to be treated just because I heard that. Did you hear the story about the little boy that was scratching his skin and his dad asked him what he was doing? And he said, I just want to see if there's any white under there. Mm -hmm. Will this color ever come off of me because of the way he'd been treated in school? Wow. Mm -hmm. Wow. See, that doesn't fit right. It doesn't register to me. So that's why I asked you guys to come alongside me tonight because really, I don't know how to address this. You know, I know that. It concerns me, and I know that we should talk about it. Carrie, what's your response to that? You know, I've been pulled over. You're talking about the pullover yeah, part? Yeah, the pullover part. You know, I've been pulled over a few times, but I can honestly say that every time I've been pulled over, I've been treated kindly, professionally. That's great. Not, not rude or anything like that. However, when they come up, I'm all, yes, sir, no, sir, because that's the way I was raised. I was sure. also a military like chief. It's, it's an honor, it's a respect thing that I try to make sure I keep that at the forefront. And usually it goes over well. I, I don't give any, I don't give an attitude. You know how we can get an aptitude with people? I don't get into all that with, with the police. I just try to be straight, professional. And they've, now I have gotten some tickets, but fortunately they've treated me well. But subconsciously in my mind, I'm like, Lord, please. But five years ago, could, could I have, I, I don't think I was really worried about it five years ago. Mm -hmm. But now the media and the social media is so much more popular for things to be videoed and filmed that, yeah, of course, you got to be aware because you never know. But by the grace of God, everything has always worked out in my favor when it comes to being pulled over. Does it bother you guys that as a white pastor that I would even challenge this situation or even talk about it or address it? Or would you rather your pastor, because he's white, just leave this thing alone, pastor? What is y'all feeling? Well, let me, oh, let me start with this. <laughs> I appreciate you because yes. I no, think that's the issue is that thing. there's not enough pastors, particularly white pastors, mm. that won't have this conversation. Hey, let's put it on the table. We're brothers in Christ. We love each other. Mm -hmm. I'm not angry at you. I know not all white people are bad. Not all black people are bad. Whatever the not case may be. Not all cops are bad. Not all cops are bad. Not all, we can't black and white in any category. Right. But I appreciate the conversation because how can we ever deal with it? How can we ever solve the problem if we won't ever deal with the issue? Yeah. yeah. And so yeah. For someone like you to put this on the table, I think it's very necessary and people around the country should be doing it. But if you really want to get to the truth of the matter, I think they're afraid because of how it might affect the people in the audience, especially the big money givers. Well, that's true. And then, and then to caveat on that, some white pastors refuse to address it because they just don't know how. That's right. true. Too. And you, we have to give them that. They don't. Right. Now, I don't really consider myself to be an expert at doing this. Mm -hmm. But I've been around black people my entire life. My church in San Antonio was 65% to 70% black. I was raised in a black ministry. I started ministry in Church of God in Christ. So I understand the culture. 
that's why I'm more comfortable. But all white pastors are just not comfortable. Y'all have a response to that? Well, the way you, when you're in leadership, great leaders have to learn how to become uncomfortable with being, learn how to, be, learn how to become comfortable with being uncomfortable. Yeah, that's kind of how I feel right now. <laughs> <laughs> because the, the whole point about it is, in leadership, you're always growing. Yeah. And you only grow when you're uncomfortable. Okay. And so what ends up happening is that when you don't want to deal with those uncomfortable issues, especially in the church, now you're allowing the world's influence yeah. instead of godly's influence in teaching people how to deal with the issues, whether it be racism, whether it be bias, whether it be prejudice. If you can't have that discussion in the house of God yeah. by the man of God, then you are, then you are alienating or leaving out a whole big issue that's in our, that's rampant in our culture today. Right. Man. So you have to address it. Tony? Bishop, I'm going to piggyback on that uncomfortable word because I thought about this today. This is one of the reasons why I respect you as a minister of the gospel mm -hmm. because you're allowing yourself to be challenged by an uncomfortable situation and an uncomfortable conversation. You didn't create a narrative that would allow you to elude the uncomfortable conversation that's on the table. You're addressing what's on the table. That's big because there are a lot of pastors that would not do that. They would create a narrative that would allow them to elude the mm. uncomfortable conversation wow. and, and address that as if they're addressing the thing that's on the table. Wow. Mm -hmm. That's not what's on the table. Things like there's oppression everywhere. Everybody has dealt with oppression throughout history. All people groups have been under some type of oppression. That's not the issue at hand. Mm -hmm. We're talking about right now. right now. We're yeah. talking about the systemic racism, the systemic issues that we as black people deal with on a regular, the disenfranchisement, the discrimination, and the dehumanization of a people group, that's the issue that's on the table. So, right. yeah, I thought about that today. Yeah, and to deny that or try to rebut that is, in my opinion, I don't, I don't understand. Okay, so can I tell you guys my reaction to it when mm -hmm. I saw it? First of all, I cried the whole time. Then hmm. secondly, I wanted to line up every black friend I had. And say, I'm sorry. Because this, if it is racism, let's clarify that. Mm -hmm. This has to stop. Amen. This shit. The shooting of this boy mm. the other day, mm -hmm. I, it don't fit in my brain. So my reaction was, hey guys, all white people are not like that. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. But as you said, Tony, and you said it so, so well, that you were very prolific in your dialogue. It's real. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So I wrote this today. I want to know your thoughts on this. The race issue. Mm -hmm. In most cases, race is a competitive, competitive word. Mm -hmm. And it engenders a sense of winning over someone. Wow. Mm. That's right. Race. Yes. It's competitive. Someone has to win. So subliminally, it suggests aggression, mm. Mm. right? 
So I started looking at the old English word where it comes from, and it means current. Right? Yeah. It's a current. It was originally this word that had this sense of rapid forward motion attached to it, which gave rise to the senses of a contest of speed. So the connotation remains in the subconscious application and use and is often associated with competing rather than completing. Mm. That's good. When you say race. That's good. We must learn to complete rather than compete with one another. Mm-hmm. We all count. Mm-hmm. If we all count, then we must all care. Amen. So screaming racism does nothing to stop this. Right. No. Nope. If I stand and scream cancer, cancer, cancer is not going to stop. Mm-hmm. If I say AIDS, AIDS, that doesn't make AIDS stop. So we must deal with the cause, not just the effect. Mm. Deal with the root, not just the fruit. Deal with the source, not just the symptom. Mm. I'm a strong believer in this. Strongholds are built out of learned behaviors. Mm -hmm. All strongholds have their foundation. We call them curses demonic possession, whatever. Mm-hmm. Really, all it is is a learned behavior. That's right. Mm-hmm. I used to go to South Africa all the time. And when I first started going there in the 90s, apartheid had just ended. And you know what those leaders over there would tell me? The mayors of cities and the pastors of churches. Pastor Rick, please don't talk to us about racism because we watched America and they don't know what they're doing. That's mm. a true statement. Nelson Mandela said it like this. No one is born hating another person because of the color of his skin mm-hmm. or his background or his religion. People must learn to hate. Yes. Mm-hmm. See what I'm saying? Yes. And if they can learn to hate, watch now, they can also be taught to love. Mm-hmm. For love comes more naturally to the human heart than hate does. Mm-hmm. And I believe that. Mm-hmm. People are not born to despise another person because of the color of this skin. They're That's taught right. that. That's mm-hmm. right. Commentary? That's, you know, that is man. true. You, um, I'm, from origi- I'm from Georgia. And growing up in the South, in my small town, we were divided by railroad tracks. Yeah. Usually that's what you, that's a geographical The other side separation. of the track. Geographical mm-hmm. separation between the whites and the blacks. Wow. By the railroad tracks, for the most part. Um, and growing up, in, and the reason I bring this up, in, the, in kindergarten, I was five years old, and one of my best friends was a white kid. And I felt like we were the same. Yeah. But at age, at age five, I realized, because he didn't come over to my house, I didn't go over to his house. Mm. The only time that we seen each other was at school. Mm. That there's a difference. Wow. And you get, you get a talk. And it's something that is sad, but you get to talk about how you're supposed to carry and conduct yourself when you're out mm-hmm. because you are a black man. And it's sad that I am deemed, because of the color of my skin and my sexual, because I'm a man, a black man, that I'm a threat just by walking around. I can perceive, be perceived 
aggressive, if I say something boisterous, you have to watch your pitch. I got to watch it because I could be deemed as an angry black man and become a threat. Wow. So I have to learn how to control myself. Control how I speak to make sure. It just that I'm seems like you guys have to really watch what y'all do and say a lot more than than I do. Yes, sir. I'm telling you right now, while y'all are talking, I feel that. Yes, sir. You know, Bishop, I, I don't ever feel that. Bishop, it's a lifestyle. Yes, sir. Of watching what we do and say, and how we act and operate, it's a it's a lifestyle that we learn. I mean, you what you just said was so on point about how it's learned, how you you you, you don't you're not born like that. You can apply those same principles to the country that we live in. This country has, has, has had racial issues pretty much from its inception. And so those racial issues, which are woven into the fabric of how this country operates, it has had a, a large part and effect mm -hmm. on how we engage each other mm -hmm. as individuals and True. therefore as a country. True. I mean, why else are we sitting here having this dialogue, having this conversation? There's a reason for that. Because the social construct of this nation that says a particular people group is superior, mm -hmm. that's why. But that's not it. It goes further into uh, adopting a sister misnomer that says there's another people group that's inferior. Mm -hmm. And so you're taught that coming up that this people group is superior and this people group How are sad inferior. Is that? How sad is that? Yes. So that's the reality. So I wrote this today, assuming that we know people, know people by their skin color is not only wrong, mm -hmm. it's totally dangerous. Yes. Mm -hmm. Carrie, talk to us about that. You know, the whole prejudice mindset, prejudgment. I think it goes back to what you were saying about we're, we're taught, but at least the root of the belief system uh, the way we believe, what we believe, comes from five different areas in, in, from our thinking, meaning our authority figures. Somebody in authority has taught us that, or we've read it in a okay. book. Okay. Social environment, where we were raised and brought up. Mm -hmm. yeah. Our self-image, the way we see ourselves. Our, our repetition information, what we've heard over and over and over. The media is really big and has influenced our world and our country, especially the United True. States. True by the repetitious information we've heard and, and seen. And so they, they play black people as always being the criminals. On If you look at police shows, it's always, when I, I'm talking about the live police shows. Can I pause you? Yeah. That right there has changed some. You know what I mean? Because Randy will tell you when we were young coming up, when Walter Cronkite was on, yeah. that was, and when he spoke, that was just the truth. Mm -hmm. <laughs> My dad was like, shh, everybody listen, news is on. And everything that was said, but now this generation is like you're saying, they recognize that this media is pretty much jacked up all the time. Mm -hmm. So I just wanted to yeah. interject that. And it's the prince of the power of the air. So whoever dominates the airways with all these that's thoughts right. is what that's right. drives everybody mm -hmm. else. That's right. Or, or the people who watch it all the time, these crazy shows on TV. But, and then the, our personal experiences. But our personal experiences, I can't control what happens to me, but I control how I define what happened to me, and then I control how I respond to it. Yeah. So it's all about how I define it, because I'm sure I've had prejudices against me, but many times I don't notice it because maybe I'm just too naive or I just don't give it that much care and concern. Well, we find what we're looking for oftentimes. Th that's right, we yeah. do. So. Yeah. So I, I would say 
One more pause and we'll go to the last two points that I have. Subject that if we move one step, Tony, Chief, Carrie, if we move one step tonight as a people, mm -hmm. we've progressed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's the purpose of this conversation. We're not here to debate and argue. No. We are here to create a confluence of conversation that prayerfully can move us forward as a people. Mm -hmm. Just one step. So I wrote my definition of racism down. I'm going to read it, and I want to know y'all's response. Is that cool? Okay. okay. Racism begins with a thought. That is prejudice. It's prejudging someone. Mm -hmm. A prejudice then becomes, that prejudice then becomes a feeling. Mm -hmm. Then the feeling turns into discrimination mm. or the unjust treatment of someone else. And that discrimination ultimately becomes a behavior, and that is racism. Mm -hmm. It starts with a thought, a thought you learned. That thought becomes a feeling. That feeling then turns to discrimination. Mm -hmm. And discrimination ends in learned behavior. What's y'all's feelings on that? Racism. What is racism? That's a good definition, Bishop. Yes, it is. <laughs> it's a real good definition. I mean, if you look at the root, the root word, you've already broken that down, race. And if we would take it and apply it to ethnicity, we would say, okay, race, one race, as take everything that you just said, embodies all of that right embodies all of that and is incorporating that into their behavior and how they deal and interact with another race yes to dominate them mm. we're superior you're inferior mm. and so that's what racism is it's it's dominating the economic base mm -hmm. dominating the the uh educational system the judicial system i was trying to get that word mm -hmm. out <laughs> The, uh, all, of, all, of, all of these different arenas in which we live, you're dominating them purposely because you said it started with a thought. Mm -hmm. um, um, one preacher said, you can't stop a bird from flying over your head, but you can stop it from building a nest in your hair. Mm -hmm. mm. You can't stop the thoughts from coming, but you can control what you allow those thoughts to do to you. Mm -hmm. So those thoughts that you're incorporating into your paradigm and mm -hmm. becomes part of you now you start to behave this way. Mm -hmm. Wow. But, 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 it, but it showed up, as you said, as a thought first. Mm -hmm. And you did not address it correctly. Yeah. That's the problem. And the crazier part about it is that that thought came to you and you were around like-minded people that never challenged you to change your thought. Wow. That's good. <laughs> that's that's the thing. Good. Yeah. That's, that's the problem. Yeah. Because you never being challenged. You, nobody never challenged your thinking process. And the people that's around you, they think like you, act like you, and talk like you, so that's what you're going to be. You never, it takes a lot of courage. I hope, I, hope, I hope everybody's hearing this. This is good stuff, man. It takes a lot of courage to not be like your surroundings. Because most people will end up being like their surroundings because it's all that they see. It takes a person that's big enough to dream beyond what they can see. Talk, man. And that's what ends up happening a lot of times when you see like-minded people. Yeah. You never want to include yourself. Diversity is also about diverse thinking. Right. Mm -hmm. And you need somebody to challenge how you see things, how you see yourself. That's what the Word of God does. Yeah. It challenges us on every aspect of our life. Absolutely. I, I, I'll go ahead and 
throw a challenge out there to the white people. Here's a good example of what he's talking about. How many times have you been in a circle of guys and someone tells a joke about black people? Be honest. When is the last time you said, that's not funny to me? I think it starts at mm -hmm. that ground level. Yes, sir. Mm -hmm. And I think we as white people have to challenge white people. I saw someone today, this is never going to change until white people start talking about it. I want to see the change because I'm real tired of it. I'm real weary of it because it don't make sense to me. It's disturbing to me. Pastor. Gary, Chief, go ahead. But Pastor, I think what people look for is to be a socially accepted. Huh. So I want, I want, what you've done with creating this dialogue right now, you know that right now people are going to look at you differently. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Most people don't want that. But we deal with looking at, we, we, we deal with it as black people being seen differently every day of our life. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, I guess I'm looked at differently too, but because of this, because I've done this for so long. Yes, sir. You know, this isn't the first time I've sat, I've sat with mayors of cities and forums and town halls and talked about this subject. I've talked to Martin Luther King marches of 250,000 people about this subject. It's, it feels right to me, and I really don't care how people look at me. I, you know, I was preaching in Jamaica one time, and the guy came to the pastor's church because he wasn't there. He heard it on the radio, and he said, where's the black man that was preaching last night? And he pointed to me, and he said, that man's white. <laughs> I told him I'm a reverse coconut. Yeah. <laughs> but, Carrie? Yeah. I want to throw down a challenge to the church. And I don't mean just this church. I mean the body of Christ. We're talking okay. about the kingdom of God. Come on, man. In, in Genesis, you know, God gave us dominion over the fish of the sea, the fowl of the air, right. the creeps on the ground, the, the cattle, and all that stuff. But the only thing he didn't give us dominion over, he said, you don't have dominion over other people. That's right. Mm -hmm. Come on. So if you're in the body of Christ, how can you stand by and, and tolerate this in your church or ignore it? Because on, we man. know it's there. Right. Why, why can't you have a message? Why, look, if you really want to know, just ask me. I'll come to your church. <laughs> I mean, ask one of these brothers right here. But we'll have a friendly conversation. We yes. don't mind. If you're afraid, but then again, you'll be accountable for who you bring in, and then you have to be careful who you might offend in your congregation. So you're I get it. good, man. But talking. And that's where we're going with this. Yeah. So let's go to the practicalities mm -hmm. in closing, okay? okay? So my, my theory is take the humble approach. Mm -hmm. That's number one. Yep. Always take the humble approach, absolutely. which all of you guys are absolutely. absolutely showing that tonight. Number two is ask questions and learn from experience. Yes, what sir. What you're doing. Yeah. What ask doing. questions and dialogue and talk. I was telling these guys on the way in here, I said, if I have a disagreement with my wife, a conflict, the answer mm -hmm. to conflict is what? Communication. That's right. Mm -hmm. You've got to talk. And so that's why I think we need more of this. Yes, sir. Learn. In order for you to learn, you have to listen. <laughs> you right. have to sit there and, and open right. your ears and hear what is being said. That's Don't right. turn the deaf ear because it's just another black person saying I'm not happy. Don't do that. You've got to hear that you don't know their story if you don't listen. And so that's why I appreciate you. And then finally, be patient. Mm -hmm. You know, it, this thing's going to take patience. Mm -hmm. Yes, sir. This is not going to be solved tomorrow. This is not going to be resolved next week. 
But I thank God, I'm going to go ahead and say this, I thank God for men like y'all that will come and sit at this table with a white man, talk about this, and more than that, more than that, let's show it. Mm-hmm. That's right. Exactly. Let's, let's walk this out, which Quest Church does that in a very, very profound way. Amen. Amen. Okay, any com- commentary on practicalities? I, I think I'll start with the practicality. Yeah. First of all, reverse racism is not the answer. So for me to retaliate in racism, that's not good. So I can't do that. But forgiveness, because we always have to go back to the word. If we represent the kingdom, we have to represent what the king says. And the you king- keep going to that kingdom, that's where we're going to end at. But you oh, go oh, ahead. Okay. You just got it all in you. Oh, okay. <laughs> you got so much Jesus in you, you got to keep talking about it. Go ahead. But we have to forgive. It's true. Forgiveness doesn't mean you didn't hurt me. Forgiveness doesn't mean I trust you. Forgiveness doesn't mean we're going to hang out. Forgiveness just means I choose to let it go. Mm-hmm. But when you don't well, forgive, that's all right. When you don't forgive, it's like drinking poison, but you're expecting the other person to die. That's right. Mm-hmm. I'm not dying for you. I'm not going to walk around with wow. unforgiveness and die because I don't like you. Yeah. Now, the way you feel about me is none of my business. Right. But that, that's all I want to say. That's powerful. Yeah, that, that is powerful because. In my younger years, I was drinking poison. Yeah. Because it, it bothered me. I didn't understand and I couldn't see. And I, and, and I was given power over to a race or a group of people that had already prejudged me mm-hmm. by taking myself out by not engaging the right way. Just like Pastor was saying about um, having being able to confront somebody. You can confront without being confrontational. Absolutely. You can have a dialogue and not lose your cool. That's right. Yep. Right. I can address issues that affect me and bother me in a way to get you to hear me. A lot of times what we want to do is, like you said, Pastor, sometimes it's to defend our position mm-hmm. and not listen. Yeah, they're not listening. Yeah, we, we're, we're sitting up and defending, we wait, we're looking for one point, we hands on that one point, and we're not listening where the other person is coming from. Right. We're not listening to try to understand. So true. And we'll we change, as um, Tony was saying, we'll change the narrative. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And not address the real issue. That's right. That's right. Won't deal with the root. And the root, really, Pastor, is in a heart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's right. Because let me... Let me address me. Because the only person I could fix or change is me. That's right. Wow. Yeah. If That's I right. want to change society, if I want to change those that are around me, start with me first. Yep. And, and that's that, my approach. That's how I feel. That's how that's, that's good. That I'm, that's, I, right. I, that's how I feel as a pastor. Me too. With this, I have to change me. I have yeah. to change my perspective, which is I've done for the last 30 years. Yes, right. sir. Tony, practicalities. Man, you guys are on point. I mean, with the confrontation and you can disagree without being disagreeable, and it's hard for us when we're uh, built up in a position to listen mm-hmm. to somebody with a different view than ours. It's right. hard for us to listen. It's hard to do that, especially if you haven't had to. Right. And now that you're having to address something and do something that makes you feel uncomfortable, that's a hard thing to do. Now, the practicality thing, I believe, because we all represent the same thing. We're all men of God. Yeah. We're all ministers of the gospel. Mm-hmm. The first thing, it starts with the church. 
I believe it starts with the church and how we address the issues that are in society or even going about to address them at all. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to be willing to address them before you get to the how. Mm-hmm. And I believe you do that because I believe that you have, uh, I'm going to give you a, a $5 seminary word, you have the orthopraxy to support the orthodoxy, <laughs> which simply means... I'm about to give you an offering. <laughs> he does. <laughs> What he believes, he has the action to accommodate his belief. So it starts with the church because the church has taken this position of tail and not the head. Yeah. We're supposed to be the salt. Wow. Yeah. We're supposed to be the head, That's not awesome, the tail. Man. And we've allowed the enemy to come into the church, infiltrate the church, and change the church's position on societal issues. And we've adopted the ideologies and perspectives of an ungodly society. Man, mm-hmm. man. That is so. Do not allow the world's systemic ideology to invade the sanctuary of the Lord God Almighty. Mm-hmm. All this whole time, you right. guys have been pushing on that gas pedal to get <laughs> to the church because it's, and I've been hitting the brake trying to talk about stuff. And this just shows that the, the only institution that really has the answer. Mm-hmm. Do you agree with that? Absolutely. Is the church. Absolutely. And you guys all have been running to get to the church all night long all night because long. you know, we know that that's the end. The answer is supposed to be in the house of God. That's it. Mm-hmm. And that's it. okay, then here's my question. Then why is 10 o'clock on Sunday morning still the <laughs> most segregated now. hour Come in the nation? Be- here's the answer. Be- okay, give me the answer. This, this is a Bishop Rick Hawk-ism. We've been having church, but we haven't been being, being the, the church. church. Yes. Yeah. That's what it boils down to. We got to yes. be the church. Yeah. Yes. The church is the answer, yet we segregate at the church hour. Here's a, here's a paradox for you. On Saturdays, a big part of the year, mm-hmm. we don't have no problem integrating in stadiums. Nope. True. Watching clubs. mostly black guys mm-hmm. on a football field. Don't forget about the clubs. But, yeah. That's true. <laughs> true. That's Ain't true. No problems with segregation there. That's right. And, and my brother's here. He said, go Tigers. That's right. Go Tigers. LSU. Yes, sir. But let me just, I, I do feel sorry for the Bulldogs and the Sooners, but go Tigers. Oh, but anyway, what I, we're not prejudiced at all. Um, let, me, let me just say, uh, Josh is here, and I'm hoping to get some questions. So if you have questions for us, go ahead and shoot them. Josh is watching. We're going to answer two or three questions to the best of our ability. If we don't know, I have no problem. These guys will tell you, I have no problem saying I don't know. And uh, I probably won't be able to answer any of these questions that will go to you guys, which is perfectly fine with me. But I just want to say this, that Jesus said in reference to the church, Carrie, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples. By what? Your what? Love, Love for one another. For one another. Mm-hmm. So in my opinion, as always, God has dropped the audacious responsibility mm-hmm. not on the White House, mm-hmm. not on the schoolhouse, nope. but on his house. Come on. To show the answer to racism. The mm-hmm. answer is by this shall all men know that you are my disciples. By your what? Love for one. Well, love does not show preferential treatment. Nope. Come on, oh love does not prejudge. Mm. Love does not judge a book by its cover. <laughs> love does not judge a man by the color of his skin. Love is unconditional. 
And it does not boast. It is not proud. It is kind. Mm-hmm. And I can go on and read 1 Corinthians chapter 13. But I just wanted to say that to you guys. I want to tell all three of you, I love you. Not, and I'm not grandstanding. I love you just like I love Josh, just like I love Christian. Just like, and I don't understand. And, and, and you know what? Love is a verb. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I can sit here and say that in front of this camera and not ever have none of y'all in my house. Mm-hmm. Mm. See, that's a, that's a bunch of bull. You know what? You know what? <laughs> Quit saying it. Show it. Yes. Let's show love. What does love look like? Have you been to my house? Yes, sir. Yes, you have. You ate at my table. Yes, sir. That, and that ain't special to me. That's normal to me. Right, right. Why I even got to say that? Why I even got to say that? Mm-hmm. I just don't understand racism. I don't get it. I don't understand. Questions, Josh? No questions. Okay. Don't be scared because we'll do our very best to answer your questions. Any closing remarks from you guys? Man, Bishop, if I can just piggyback on that disciple thing that you said. Man, that's huge because we're talking about practicalities and where this starts with the church. Right now you have the opportunity This, this, this situation right here is helping you to understand a people that you have the opportunity to share the gospel with. That's the great commission. Yeah, To go into all the world preach the gospel. Here's the thing. We've done that part. We've went into all the world and we've preached the gospel. But we're not very good at doing the other part and make disciples. Mm. Mm -hmm. Disciplined ones. Mm -hmm. Disciplined to what? Mm -hmm. Disciplined to the faith. Mm. We're not doing that. We can be disciplined to all kinds of stuff. We're disciplined to our own perspective, to the perspectives of, of society that are not birthed from Scripture. We're disciplined to all kinds of other stuff that that has no connection to who we are as a people in God. Instead of of adopting these scriptures into our life and taking these things home with us. It sounds to me then what you're saying is it is virtually impossible Mm -hmm. to be a Christian and to be a racist at the same time. I believe so. Yes. I do too. I believe so. And that's why I don't understand segregation at 10 o'clock on Sunday morning. And I don't understand why church going, Jesus believing people can treat people with different color skin any other kind of way than with love. Any questions, Josh? A lot of them. A lot of questions. (laughs) Josh, you want to come over here, man? I know you got your shorts on, but you you look all right. Come on. First question. Yep. Do you think racism is worse off now than 50 years ago? Oh, we had a I don't know because I've, I've had a little bit of reverse racism in my life, but it's not enough to speak of. So I'll let these guys answer that. We had a statement in the back. This conversation was going on before you <laughs> came in the building. But <laughs> okay. Racism hasn't gotten worse. It's just filmed. Yes. Yes. So it's not that it's gotten worse. You just, we you just mean, now know about it. You just see it. You, yeah. you see it People now. Are, yeah, you but see rea- it now. But, and the crazy part about it is, Pastor, that you know about it. You just say it ain't been in your face. Wow. Now you have to deal with seeing this person being murdered right before you. Social media. Now you cannot easily dismiss it. Yeah, this man was murdered right in the face of all of us. So, wow. And in times past, racism was covered up in a hood. 
But now it's camouflage and it fits in with the rest of the group. My God. Woo. Yes. And you Next question, Josh. Yes. They're going Y'all got a lot of questions here, fellas. How do we as a church address our church leaders who display racist tendencies on their social media knowing they represent the church? In love. Absolutely. In love. See, me going off on you won't help you change. That's right. Me telling you about who you are, you already know who you are. Mm. My job is how I'm supposed to respond according to the word of God. Wow. And see, that's good, Chief. That's, that's the problem right there because now the flesh side of me want to want to tear you else. off. Right. But the God in me got to override my flesh. Has to. Yep. And has address to. you in love because love is what covers a multitude of sins. Read that question one more time. How that's do we, awesome. How do we as church, how do we as a church address our church leaders who display racist tendencies on their social media, knowing they represent the church? Well, I'll just say this. I hope that it's not coming from our church because I don't think any of our church leaders would be promoting racism or anything like that on their, on their social media. Um, so next question. Yes, sir. Good answer, Chief. Besides the fear of losing members, why are churches afraid to address racism? Okay, I think that my opinion is, especially well, it doesn't matter about the size because earlier we were talking about the larger groups of churches, meaning 10,000, 12,000, 10, whatever. Even in a 500 congregation church, you have certain people who have a lot of influence. Money is the influencer in the church, whether people want to talk about that particular conversation or not. And if, if I'm one of those pastors, I don't want to talk about it because I don't want to upset big money man over here because mm -hmm. he might not give or he might not tithe and my salary depends on it. So I have to make a decision though. Do I want to live by a big money man or do I want to live by what the word says? Mm -hmm. I think that's one of the reasons why we don't address it. Yeah. Not us, but yeah. people in, in the body of Christ. In that's right. Well, I, all I know is when I went into ministry, I was 19 years old under Carlton Pearson. When I started my church, he was still my pastor. And he told me the first thing I needed to do when I got to San Antonio, start a radio program on the east side. Because he said I had an anointing to reach that race. And that's proven to be true over the years. So I don't know how you tell people, ask people, why are you scared to address it? Because that's, that's foreign to me. Right. I've not ever had a problem talking about it. So any other questions, Josh? Yeah. If the church is going to the forefront of change, it should also be the church's responsibility to educate and teach on these issues regularly, not when they arise. How can we as churches do this? I have an answer, but I'll let you guys go. go. I would say you have to practice it. You know, and, and you don't practice it as if it's uniquely special or conspicuous. It should mm. be natural. Mm -hmm. It's like singles ministries. If you keep people in singles ministries, they learn to be single, but because you've removed them from the fabric of the family, they don't know what operating in marriage looks like. So you can't cloister them and categorize them and say this is what it means to be single and teach them to be single. They're going to be single. If you teach, if you pull black people off or white people off and segregate them to teach them how to integrate, they ain't never going to learn. Wow. I know that sounds simple, but it's just that true. You have to display it. You have to exhibit it. It has to be real to you. And people learn by watching and being a part of it. Oh, this is what this feels like to be in an integrated church. 
This wow. feels wonderful. So, so you're saying that there has to be a great deal of intentionality. It has to, there you go. You have to be intentional. You have to be and, intentional and about it. That's I awesome. I would 100% agree with that. that. I mean, and that takes effort. Like you've been saying, you can't just talk about it. You, you have, have to be to about do it. it. You have yep. to be it. Mm-hmm. You have to be the example that you're trying to set amongst everybody. And so we've, I mean, we've got to take the Imago Day home with us, yeah. mm-hmm. right? The image of God. We've got to take this home with us and we hold everybody up in that light. Yeah. Can I also speak to that? Because I think one of the great examples that I see here is on our praise team. You have black, you have white, you have Hispanic, you right. have a variety of people. And even though this is one of those, Sunday is one of those days where, you know, you have certain groups going to certain churches and we all divide it, but I like the flavor and the diversity that is displayed because that's kingdom. Right. That's the body of Christ. Yeah, show it. Is that sometimes yes. there's a black person taking up offering. Sometimes there's a white person mm-hmm. taking up offering. Sometimes there's that's a Mexican or Hispanic person yeah, yeah. Leading, leading the praise and worship or whatever. But it's not just in uh, brochures only or on websites only that you show a picture of a black person. I mean, that's not the answer there. you got to actually right. do, it do it and put it into action. Any more, Josh? Here's one. What do you say to your children when you're raising them to love, but then you have to show them the reality of what they're to face in America? Man, I want to hear this. You got to be honest, because I had a conversation with my kids. I've had the conversation with them um, about how they need to interact with uh, police officers. I told them their job is, like I said, survive the encounter. You're respectful. And so what you, you can't avoid it. What you need to do is discuss it and say what the word of God has said toward, about it. Yes. If you avoid it, now you allow somebody else to train up your Ooh, child. man. And you train your child two ways, directly as well as indirectly. Right. So if I don't discuss it, I'm still training them. Come That's on, right. chief. I'm still training them. Yeah. So you ain't, so... You might as well talk about you it. You might as well them. talk about right. it and deal with it and be honest with it. Yeah. Be honest. Be honest. If you never dealt with it, if you never, hey, listen, my mom and my dad didn't talk to me about this. But I know that this is not right. This is not how I'm raising you. Right. This is what the word of God says. Mm-hmm. That's awesome, man. And so now I'm telling you this. So this is what we're going to do. Right. Gotcha. That's awesome, man. Yeah. So you've got to discuss it, talk about it. And you've got to display it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They've got to see it active in you to see the reality of it. Because talking about it with mm-hmm. no reality is mm-hmm. foolishness. Mm-hmm. All right. Josh? Should the police department do more to screen the officers for racism? How? Oh. <laughs> wow, that's a good can question. I, that I, is a really good question. Yeah. In the military, used to be in it, um, 1% of the nation served in the military, 1%. Okay. So we get everybody from all walks of life, pretty much just like the, just like the, uh, the police department. And you can carry them through several tests, several, several psyche valves. What's in you is going to come out you. And something you said about the character of a, pressure, of a person coming out under pressure. Under pressure. pressure. Yeah. I don't care what you do, hmm. how much training, <laughs> How much of uh, uh, trying to get them to understand mm-hmm. what's in them in that out. pressure situation is going to come out of them because most yeah. people react in pressure situations instead of responding. Mm-hmm. That's right. 
Boy, your wife on here saying, talk about it, Chief Big Daddy. (laughs) (laughs) Chief. Monica, boy, she got your back. <laughs> All right. Um, there's One more. There, well, there's a bunch of questions that basically ask this. Okay. What should the church be doing right now? This? Yes. This. Yes. It yes. starts That's with the conversation. We were talking about that on the way in. Yeah. Change starts with the conversation. Change or conversation is the catalyst to change. Yeah. We've got to, verse, we've got to first talk about it to mm. understand each other's perspective so we can know how to move because when dialogue gives vision, yeah, you know what I mean? Without right. talking, we can't see anything. And I think a bad mistake would be, especially for white pastors, I'll just say white pastors, would be to come into a, a situation like this saying, number one, I understand. Mm-hmm. Because I'm telling you guys, I don't understand. Right. Because I, I, I haven't been black in America. Uh, so that's number one. Don't act like you understand. And then number two, don't come in here acting like you have the answer. Uh-huh. Mm. Because I, so I will readily admit, all I know to do is what you keep saying, what you keep saying, what you keep saying, is do what the Word of God tells us to do. Mm. And then pray that that brings forth fruit and fruit that remains. Mm. And I believe it will. You guys have been awesome. Is there anything else, Josh? No, you guys have been awesome tonight. Again, you know, as much... For me, you, you guys too, to come in here and sit down and talk about this. It, it takes courage to do these types of things, and I celebrate you tonight, and I speak the blessing of God over your lives. Any closing remarks? I just want to say thank you, Pastor, for having this conversation, because mm-hmm. I think it's so many people that actually need to do this. So I appreciate you and the love you've shown to us. We all feel it. We know, we, we know your heart. Yes. Good. I'm glad. Pastor, <laughs> there's one thing that I wanted to read, if I could. Yeah, man. Quote, um, Please. Injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. Everywhere. We are caught in an inescapable network of mutuality tied to a single garment of destiny. Whatever affects one directly affects all indirectly. Mm -hmm. That was a um, quote out of the letter that Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. wrote to the clergyman. From the Birmingham jail. From the Birmingham jail. Wow. That quote is my favorite quote from Martin Luther King Jr., And that quote is the direct definition of the philosophy of interrelated reality. Mm -hmm. Interrelated reality says if you touch one of us, you've touched all of us. Come on. And that's where he came up with that. And um, that is, I've used that quote many times, but I like the whole garment of destiny. Mm -hmm. We're all in there. It's a mosaic. Mm -hmm. And to Mm -hmm. act like you're not a part of Mm -hmm. it is ignoring truth. Yes, Man, Bishop, I'm remarks. just thankful for this opportunity. Yes. And again, your willingness to sit down and allow yourself to be challenged mm-hmm. with this uncomfortable conversation. You didn't create another narrative. We talked about the situation and the issue that is at hand. I commend that. Yes. Thank you. Yes. We speak the blessing of God over you. I want to challenge you to do something this week. Go to lunch with someone that don't look like you. Someone with a different color skin, take them to lunch, spend time with them, and learn to listen. Learn to listen. Thank God for our church. Thank God for our ministry. Thank God for our families. Thank God for the body of Christ. Let's do our job. Success to you and success to the kingdom of God.